exciting episode i hope it is exciting for you, <laughs> as it will be for us um we're going to be talking about journalism in nigeria journalism on the continent and before we dive into that and introduce our guest i will allow my co-host to introduce themselves did i even introduce myself oh yeah it's Ife. <laughs> <laughs> hi everyone it's amayo hey guys it's ifi hey guys this is onyeka aka yeka oh sweet 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 all right, so I have a special guest here with me. Special guest's name is Iluato Singh, and I will let him tell you more about himself. Introduce yourself, dear sir. Hi, my name is Iluato Singh. Um, I'm a journalist in Nigeria, and I'm functionally poor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Enough, with man. a bang. All right. That's a great way to <laughs> wow. start I know, right? <laughs> Speaking you just have to. Put, I know. <laughs> I just had to, you know, put it all out there, right there. Okay. All right. So essentially, we want to talk about journalism on the continent. I don't know what what what's your before we ask Oluwatunsin about his story and how he got into journalism, ladies. What is your opinion or what is your what do you think of what? I don't know. What's your understanding of journalism in Nigeria? If we were to play word association games. Mm. Um, oh, I would say stifled. I would say um, majorly shallow. Um, sorry, you guys can jump in. I'm just like... <laughs> Are we doing one word? or You can like... do as many as you want. Okay. I would say struggle. Hmm. But then I would also say, come up. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, MTN News. Sorry. Oh, I need to send you guys a video after this. Sorry, I'll send it right now. Moving on. Um, I would say could could be creative. I mean, with the new generation. Um, but I would say. Majorly stifled, depending on what political, or what your how your news uh, relates to what political party, or yeah, so heavily dependent on political brouhaha, as they say. Hmm. I don't know. I would say varied. I, I, because I'm trying to look back. There's just journalism. I guess I don't know if we're trying to. Talk about stereotypical. Or are we going like broad and wide from everything from like, you know, print newspaper to like TV um, broadcast? So I would say, yeah, I would say varied. And um, I mean, there's always room for growth. I, you know, there's so much censorship that happens and mm. there's not a lot of 
there are a lot of things that are supposed to be taken as is and so sometimes mm-hmm. that translates into like the news reporting is just basic facts and just mm-hmm. the you know superficial details but on the other hand there have been like people and like journalists here and there who've done like brilliant like expose work and even like during like the ember periods like there's always like Mm. news about you know occult practices and yeah so there's there's always and sometimes i think the journalistic work can be go so far as to be i don't know entertaining i guess it gets to a Mm. point where like i don't know everything is made sensationalized um i see so yeah it's varied yeah i would also say shallow I would say shallow. Don't mean to hurt your feelings, Iluatese. I know you know you are in a. <laughs> should I should I make your head swell? Should I placate you? Um, but yeah, I'd say shallow. I'd say like, you know, for for hire or for pay or like mm-hmm. you know you can as long as you have the money you can plant whatever story you want to plant and people will just come print it. Um, yeah, okay. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, who are toasting? Given all these, you know, stereotypes and understanding of journalism in Nigeria, why are you a journalist? Tell us about your story and how you got to be where you are. Tell us, yeah. Mm, okay, so I'm a journalist because I like stories. Okay. I'm interested in, you know, stories, not necessarily the news, like, oh, Something has happened, this is happening, women are getting killed. I'm interested in, you know, getting to know the why. Why are women getting killed? Why is this happening? Why are we the way we are? So, that's why I'm a journalist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of the ideas, everything that everybody has said is true. Like, journalism in Nigeria, journalism is a type of way. And journalism really is that type of way. But it's, the global journalism market is dying. There's no money in journalism anymore. And so when you take it from an organized system like the US or the UK, where you know, there's no money in journalism. And then you bring it to Nigeria where generally do not have censors of people. Mm. It just means like everything is just weird. Mm. Like um so um, editors, editors that commission stories from outside the country will tell you, Oh, I'm so sorry, I think this money is small. Like when they're commissioning a story. Mm-hmm. Will tell you, I'm so sorry, this money is small. But mm-hmm. a Nigerian publication will tell you, oh, all we have to give you is 5,000 naira for a story. And, you know, not everybody is attached to a media house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Freelance journal- I am a freelance journalist. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how am I supposed to make my mom proud and get married on a 5,000 naira story? Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, that type of thing means that. A lot of things will stories will not be done right, or mm-hmm. stories will not be done at all, or mm-hmm. someone will just say you heard that two cheap girls were taken, and mm-hmm. that becomes the story because nobody can afford to take a flight, or even the basic security um, situation in Nigeria. So you don't necessarily want to fly; you want to go on the way, and then you are kidnapped. On top of journalism, mm-hmm. I mean, I got arrested in Cameroon for the popular story. Mm-hmm. And I got back and told my mom and she sees my passport. Wow. Hmm. 
because you know you cannot settle down and say you want to kill yourself. That's the job of your parents. They're supposed to take <laughs> your kids. <laughs> or Nigeria, you can't like choose to. So it's there. You know, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. It's not just one thing that's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's the whole you know ecosystem that's wrong. So it means that if everything at the top is wrong, then at the bottom you wouldn't necessarily have journalism or stories. So, yeah. um, like, a lot of all of the, like, journalists that do proper work in Nigeria now, we are a small community. Almost everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody is reporting, is corresponding for foreign media. Mm-hmm. Because foreign media is interested in... And that's that's another problem. Foreign media is not necessarily interested in Africa stories anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Foreign media is interested in doing stories the way, you know, the way we are interested in doing the stories, I'm interested in going to the place, in seeing stuff, in you know speaking to people and understanding why, and you know basically setting things straight. But mm. Punch or Guardian Nigeria will not necessarily have the funding to send you as a freelance journalist to you know decide to settle down in the place to tell a story. So yes, journalism in Nigeria is shady. Journalism is this and this and that, mm. and it's true. It's sad, but it is true. We are all in the world of Donald Trump fake news. <laughs> okay, so tell us how you came to be a journalist. You had you had an interesting career trajectory. Tell us more about that. So when you know what have you done in the past in terms of what's your academic background um, and how? Yeah, tell us more. Um, so I studied engineering for three years and decided I wasn't going to school anymore. And so I dropped out of university and then I worked for a year in advertising and I went back to university and studied economics. And then I worked in a tax and finance advisory and it was fun for three months, but it wasn't for me because, you know, I grew up reading and writing and wanting to work in advertising, wanting to tell lies for companies and stuff. Be a madman. Yeah. Part of the madman. No, there's no lights here, so I can't necessarily mad my life. But yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, tell, I wanted to tell stories. So after working in tax and finance, after working in tax and finance, um, I spoke to my boss, that was my friend, and told him, oh, I want to write. I want to like go off and write. And he says, um, you know what? Like I still think there's something for you in finance, but you know what? Go and do what you want to do. And then, you know, we'll keep in touch. And so, I did. I worked with Niger for a couple of months as a as the culture editor. And then I left Niger because I wanted to, you know, report. I didn't want to have to sit down and write culture. Mm-hmm. Because I really loved that culture. So, <laughs> it really... So, I just sat down and spoke to a friend and told him, you know what? I'd like to report stories. What do I do? And this was the first act of kindness I'd seen in Nigeria because Nigerians are nice people. <laughs> so he gave me editor contacts and he told me how to pitch stories. And I did. And, you know, did my first story for Ozzy. Did another story for... Rotary. What was your first story for Ozzy? The first story for Ozzy was about, um, was about literary journals in Nigeria literary journals in Africa and how, you know, Africans are deciding to finally take over their own stories because 
you know, the bulk of publishing in Nigeria, in Africa, is small press. And so, all of the stories that come out of Africa that have to, that make all of the big money are, you know, sometimes called um, poverty porn. They mm-hmm. have to pander to a particular type of narrative. You should listen to our last episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two episodes <laughs> before <Panda>. that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, literary journals in Niger- literary journals in Africa are now, you know, changing that type of narrative. Mm. Oh, and when I was in university, I started um, Arts in Africa with two other friends where we wanted to publish African literature that, you know, was like stories by people like us, you know, stories that we would be interested in reading and not necessarily that um, someone, something died somewhere in the middle of the war and moved to America and had an identity crisis. So <laughs> that was, that was the, you know, that was the general idea of behind my first story. Then was that I, shade? Was that a shot fired? Yeah, like one blue sixteen die. If it touches you, it touches you. <laughs> okay. So yeah, and then I did a story for Quartz, and Quartz was my big breakthrough. My editor was a very very lovely person. Okay. Great. So you're freelance now. Yeah. What's the process of like, like how many pitches do you have to do to get a story? And why aren't you attached to, like, like why aren't you officially a quartz writer? Or why aren't you, like, a guardian, a guardian agent, like, you know, the guardian? Oh, okay. So, um, um, my first quartz pitch was my first story. My first Aussie pitch was my first story. Okay. So, sometimes, God is going to be with you. You're going to be lucky. Okay. But other times, you pitch stories... And they tell you no. And you know, it's like creative types of no, like, you know, it's not you, it's us, we don't want you, that type of thing. So it's a long process. You have to think about the story, you have to think about how the story ties into the publication and how the story is going to be interesting for the publication's audience. Remember, we are not writing for Nigerians anymore. Mm-hmm. We are writing for the Western world and hoping that Nigerians get to read it or a Nigerian wow. person somewhere gets to read it. Mm-hmm. Nobody reads. People read punch, but you know, that's another argument again. Mm-hmm. So we're writing for a separate audience, a separate type of so we have to look for stories that fit the narrative that those audiences mm-hmm. are interested. And sometimes that will mean that those stories get watered down. Or mm-hmm. some or someone who's here will say um, or you could write something like, Oh, the Igbo ethnic book and then someone will say Igbo tribe. And that sounds wrong because I mean, the writing tribe, meaning we are Mungulu Mungulu something, something. So, but like it's, you know, that's one of that's one of the problems. Another problem is that, you know, again, we've said that um, global budgets for journalism going down. So it means that a lot of places don't have Africa budgets for uh-huh. their publications. This also means that you know, they are not necessarily interested in African stories. And if they're not interested in African stories, it means that there is no hiring in an African. I'm, again, I'm extremely lucky and blessed to be working with Quartz a lot mm. and some other places that I write for like consistently. But it's it's difficult. It's, it's difficult. It's one thing for you to have the stories. It's one thing for you to, you know, know how to write and always read and be interested in 
you know, storytelling. And it's another thing for an editor to say, you know what, we don't have the funding for your story. Mm. Or we're not interested in your story at this time. Mm. And it costs money. Because mm. you're freelance, it means you don't have money. Oh, so yeah. you have to you have to travel, you have to go meet people. That is time you could have spent making your Nigerian parent proud by being a doctor or an engineer. You are just sitting down, uh, walking around, talking to people. Mm. So that's that's where we are. That's where it is. So what keeps you what keeps you inspired then, and what keeps you motivated to keep to keep uh, freelancing? Um, the last story. So like every story has to be better, and so every story has to be better than the you know previous story. So you do a story and it's well received by everybody, or even your friends or people that. Other journalists just say, oh, I love that story. Mm. So your next story has to be fire. Mm. Just, I, I, I don't think people enter journalism thinking, oh, I'm going to be like Warren Buffett or this. No, you're going to be poor. Mm. But you might as well, while being poor, make a name for yourself. Mm. And then maybe in the future you can like ruin your name, like certain member of staff of the president. Yeah. <laughs> Your sarcasm is amazing. I love it. Every fucking where. <laughs> From what I said, please, dear. Oh, wow. Okay. So, we've talked about what I said. Let's kind of. I'm not a historian, and I try to kind of do research in terms of like history of journalism on the continent and. Nothing, yeah, maybe my research was not very thorough. But what's, like, what, who are some notable journalists on the continent in Nigeria that have been inspiring and great and done good work? And, you know, what have journalists done? How have they shaped Nigeria, for example, and how have they shaped the continent? Oh, okay. Um, notable journalists in Nigeria who have, um, number one for me, like the most notable, mm-hmm. is Eromo Egbeju. I don't know who that is. Wow. Does anybody know who that is? No. 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 Uh-uh. So thanks yes. for the education. Mm-hmm. How far of you know? Tell us <laughs> what, what did they do? Can you can you tell so, us more about his work? Like if it's stuff that we so, might recognize. Um, Eromo is currently the West Africa um, editor for the Africa Report. Okay. But Eromo has always been doing like fantastic journalism work. Like I mean, like fantastic work. He wrote. He one time wrote a story about um, about a governor in northern Nigeria that was selling UNICEF and um, United Nations um, material, United Nations relief material for IDPs. Um, yeah, and it's like it's in the quality of the work. It's in mm. the quality of the work. So all of. Like, all of his work has just been fantastic, like, from storytelling to impact. Now, it's one thing for you to do journalism and, you know, act as, like, you're holding the government, the neck of the government. It's another thing for the government to have fatness and shameless mm-hmm. and hold your neck back. Mm-hmm. That is where we are in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So, you do a story against the Nigerian government, and many times, they will hold you, mm-hmm. they will arrest you, you will lose. Mm-hmm. Like it's just another regular Wednesday, so it's not. So that's that's one thing. But 
like in other countries, we've seen like journalists try to you know hold power to mm-hmm. to you know mm-hmm. to account, or mm-hmm. and then it's beyond at this point now. At this point, especially in an Africa where democracy is just growing, you know, journalism is not enough. Will never be enough. So it is how many people we are able to unite and inspire by writing mm. to go out and you know to go out and actually shout and protest and stuff. So we see like in Sudan, mm. in Sudan where everybody is now a journalist and everybody is everybody is a journalist. So there are the people that were inside the country, there were the people that were outside the country. Like my friend Benjamin Strick was geolocating videos to say, you know, this is what the government is doing in so-so place at so-so time. And so... And when he, you say geolocating, like trying to find out where exactly... Where and when the photo was taken. Okay. I'll show you how to do that after. Okay. Yeah. So, like, we have people like Benjamin Strick doing that. And then we have um, another friend. I can't remember his name, but Mahmoud. Mahmoud is a filmmaker inside of Sudan. And he's he has been working at... He has been disseminating news, like, through all of Facebook, through channels. Especially as social media has been shot, has been shot down in Sudan. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's even the only internet that was wow. shut down. Yeah. And so... It's now beyond journalists. Journalists will just tell you, this is what is happening, this is, this is, this. And then mm. everybody decides to unite. Mm-hmm. Nigeria has not or will not unite yet. We're not poor enough. The stakes are not high enough yet. Mm. We are not We are not necessarily dying in record numbers yet. We are not as poor yet. But in other places that they've decided to unite against, unite, you know, they've moved on from, I'm from this tribe, I'm from this tribe, and this religion, and this religion. We have a problem. Mm-hmm. And then all of these people are able to unite together. So, like, the journalists have done fantastic work. Chika Odua, Ayedeji Wetsuwa, Linus Una. These are Nigerian journalists that do fantastic work. These are Nigerian journalists that, you know, that have moved on from just being Nigerian journalists to people that know what. Something is happening, like, Americans that are based in you know, in West Africa, or even in Nigeria, DM all of these people from time to time and say, this is happening. Can you explain? Because the government says X, Channel TV says Y. Mm. Channel TV will sometimes come and delete videos from YouTube. Mm-hmm. But that is a story for another day. But, you know, these are the people that you can, you can, you know, guarantee, you can state that these people will always tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And so, that is the work of the journalists now, is the fact that you know for a fact that I will tell you good morning. And, you know, the morning has to be good. Mm. It has to be morning. Right. So that is the work of the journalists now. We haven't yet, you know, transcended, you know, the journalists is holding, you know, power accountable, like in the US, or Donald Trump did X or Y or Z by journalists, and then, you know, the Department of Justice has to investigate. Mm-hmm. Who is the Department of Justice in Nigeria? So that's like I feel like that's that's definitely a fundamental problem when the people you're trying to hold to account are shameless, like they're blatant <laughs> in their not giving a fuck. Yeah. So like you know, you just keep banging like nothing is. You did, it's like why bother? Yeah. Plus, like there's no proper devolution of power, so mm-hmm. the police is not independent. Mm-hmm. Right. Security agencies are not independent. So the president says, "Go and pick up that boy." That boy is picked up. Mm. Right. <laughs> End of story. Mm-hmm. But like, 
in other places, like there's a justice department, there's this, there's that. Everybody, you know, everybody works together, but nobody has any power. Plus, everybody respects the country and the laws. Mm-hmm. Are we, if we're being honest, like, do we really, really, really love and respect Nigeria like that? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And and sorry to interject here, but I mean, I'm thinking about it and we're like, yeah, the government is trash. We know the government is trash. But like, do the people even care that you're holding certain people accountable? Like, do we care yeah. enough about Nigeria, like you just said, to like, for this to even matter, for for journalists to give us information that actually counts? Do we care enough to actually do something about it, let alone government who's just like i said trash i don't know i think that there's so many there's so many facets to this conversation about responsibility and yeah it, it gets and really i think dicey. it's also it's like a chicken and egg situation in terms of like if the journalism if journalists don't have enough resources to do meaningful stories and and really like dig deep into the rot and stuff and you know all they're producing is shallow stories then people are going to be like ah this one just went for events and collected brown and you know but literally just <laughs> reprinting oh the envelopes are now white okay sorry about that <laughs> wow okay oh i hope it's more than five thousand that is in the envelope it's still five thousand right now i have like four hundred in my account and like if someone approached me with an envelope like <laughs> i don't know i don't know but like nobody has approached me with an envelope but yeah but like that's 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 a real thing because at this point now we've become like journalism in Nigeria has become you know regurgitated pressure mm-hmm. and you know like the mundane, the bland and all of that. Um, Linus just came back from Koshiva where he was doing a story about the Super Highway project and how Koshiva, how um, state, yes, Koshiva state, yes, and how Koshiva state is going to be in debt for a long time. I heard about that. Wow. Yeah, and. You That's know, my state. Uh, <laughs> 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 Just one person. Wow. Yeah, and and the state is going to be in trouble for a really long time. Like that is like, you know how somebody will just wake up and you are just waking up as a new child. I'm going to you know achieve X with my life, and government says no, you are poor, so you are going to pay off the debts that I was taking some fifty years ago, and that's the problem. But Again, it's it, it's a thing of funding. Linus was able to get funding from a foreign media mm. media yeah. house that was interested in covering the story, mm-hmm. and so it became news for us in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Like, Again, <sighs> I mean, like a Nigerian publication. Have I mentioned their name? Before? Yes, <laughs> no, I spill the tea. I know, but the Nigerian <laughs> publication <laughs> gave me five thousand naira to do stories for them. Five thousand hey. naira. Exactly. God. So, oh my gosh. In this 5,000 naira, one, my parents expect that I'm a Christian. How will I pay taxes? <laughs> How will I pay taxes? Oh How will I. See, there's you have to name names. <laughs> so, how are you expecting a proper story? How are you expecting wow. a properly done story? That's one. Number two, there is now a culture of Nigerians not necessarily being interested in reading. Yeah. Like oh guys, I go. Can I? Oh, can I talk no, about something? Guys, uh, guys, sorry, sorry. I I don't know that I necessarily agree with this idea that Nigerians don't read. Like, I'm I'm trying to even go as far back as like even when I was a child, and I remember like one of my very vivid memories of of being a child is 
one in the mornings when like my dad and his friends will stand out and wait for the guy who is pushing his bell horn right with the newspaper and everyone is gathering outside and mm-hmm. they're reading the same it's the same or different newspapers, right? And they're saying, oh, you get Guardian, I'll get punched, then we'll switch, right? Mm. Or seeing these newsstands, even at night, whether it was PM News. Um, so I don't know that Nigerians don't read. I, I, yeah. I, th- I think that's just, uh, I don't, okay. I don't accept that. Okay, so I have it, I have it, I have, I have it in bottom. Okay. What did your daddy do? What does your dad do? What did your daddy do at that time? What do you mean, what did he do at the time? Like, yeah, a like profession? What was his, what was his occupation? Oh, he was he is a quantity surveyor. You see, your dad went to school. Yeah, but I'm talking so about but no, no, I'm saying the people who are gathering around PM News dad, were not just dad, only educated dad, people. Very true. Extra, see, and I agree with you, and I understand, and I agree with you. But for every one Nigerian that settled down to decide to read, mm-hmm. let us remember that we are. I'm sorry I might sound a little elitist as I'm speaking right now, but we are the exception. We Nigerians on social media. I mean, fair enough. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. We are the exception, not the Mm -hmm. Nigeria has Nigeria has at least ninety million people. Yeah. Are those people going to settle down and buy newspapers? Nigeria has out of school children. Mm -hmm. Is it not parents Mm -hmm. that went to school that will put their children in school? Has the highest number of out of school children. Mm-hmm. These are people that are not going to read. And there, there was this time on social media, people were shouting, "Oh, and something, something, something." They have readings or something. Mm-hmm. No, see, Nigerians read. Nigerians love to read. I love to read. I will not be a journalist if I do love to read. I love to read because my dad loved to read. My dad gave us books on Saturday. My mates were watching KKB show. You didn't you didn't miss much, it's okay. I'm not cool. Please. I wanted to be cool. That is what is important right now. But yeah, Saturday mornings were for us to read and solve maths. Like I solved engineering mathematics for fun. Like that was fun for me. My my 14-year-old cousin plays chess and beats me for fun. That is family time. That is fun for me. But for all of us, there are still people, there are children that have to that have to work. There are parents that are struggling to make ends meet. Remember that, like, after a while, education or reading, deciding to read is no longer, it's a luxury. There are people, poverty is real. Like, when you are poor, if, if I remember one, one of the first testimonies I can remember from my church was a girl saying that, she didn't have time to make out or have sex or stuff like that. Because she was poor, she had to like provide for her siblings. So it meant that she had to go to work. She didn't have time to... We're not talking about that. No, no I'm just saying like poverty realizes you. Like the yeah. reality of mm-hmm. life. Yeah, I agree though. You need to work to eat. To mm-hmm. eat. I understand that. Yeah. Right, but that doesn't mean that Nigerians don't read. It yeah. just so a I, I portion. think it's just yeah. And I also okay. So another thing I want: I, do they still have a Larry? Because I remember when what's that? It's a Yoruba oh. newspaper. So like back in the day, maybe ten years ago, like my my grandmother used to read a Larry, which is the Yoruba newspaper, oh. and they were like you know stories about what's going on. Yeah, in what's going on in yeah. Nigeria? And now I just feel is that still happening? Is that still Alari? Do you know? 
I don't know. I, I if it still exists, it, it might have died off again. We don't have them in Nigeria. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I also feel like I mean the way you the way you're explaining it, and that's not a new problem. And mm-hmm. I think what the bigger issue is, it's not that it's not that it's not that Nigerians don't like to read, but I would say I'm thinking of my little brother and his age mates. They are not reading Guardian. Mm-hmm. Not reading right. Punch. Right. Yeah. They, they are. What are like, they reading? God knows what they are reading. They are, reading. <laughs> <laughs> they are not reading. So like you think the news culture of like reading news has yeah, yes, exactly. that's different. Yeah, yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I can agree with that. Maybe reading news in a different format. Exactly. Format. So they are, they're reading like the newer media. Yeah, newer so they would probably go on Snapchat or whatever and see like those, you know, stories that are some that summarized everything with pictures and image videos and you know whatnot. Mm. But then they wouldn't pick mm. up a newspaper. I mean, I wouldn't pick up a newspaper. But yeah, yeah, they're not they're not traditional media people at all. Mm. Yeah. We'll get to that question about like how we can do that, how we mm. can make sure that we're you know doing stories that still mm. that conform and and allow people that engage with people in this current media landscape. Okay, next question though is we've kind of talked about this, but why do big, why did the big stories on the continent seem to be found in global publications like the New York Times, Washington Post, Quartz, The Guardian? We've kind of talked about it, meaning that they have bigger budgets. Mm-hmm. You know, they have more, they have deeper pockets. Um, they're able to do all of these things. But what does that then mean for local publications? Because I was reading this, this Guardian article that I shared with you mm-hmm. ladies. Um, mm. And there was a passage about like how it is the news about fucking, news about Boko Haram or CNN will first carry it, then Punch will now like regurgitate mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. CNN carried. You know, and and there was this passage that struck me in the article. Let me find it about how like the decision makers. What what that means for policy and all of that is that okay, the potential real world impact of all this is obvious. Policy is determined, money is spent, and decisions are made at all levels based on an outsider's view of Africa. Mm-hmm. If the image is wrong, then the policy will be too. And if the vision is formed by often clueless interlopers then chances are that the representation is wrong. Hmm. So I think things might be slightly better in the sense that now these foreign publications are recruiting local freelance journalists to write the stories. So it's kind of somewhat better that Mm -hmm. that's happening. But then there's the, these people also have their, like New York Times has their agenda. They have their own vision for what an African story should Mm -hmm. look like or what it should focus on or all of these things. So even though these people are local, their stories can get warped by editors that have agendas. Yep. You know? Yeah. And I I think, oh no, Sorry, it's, it's, this is a tangent, but it's kind of similar to like, authors who are writing books and they get an agent mm. who reads it and says, mm, you should be writing mm. about immigration. Mm-hmm. Like, you should be writing mm-hmm. about exactly. something else. So in a similar way, like you were saying, like with, you know, the editors, they were like, mm, how about you talk about this? How about you focus on this? Like blow this up a little bit and then reduce mm-hmm. this. Yeah. But I see what you mean about yeah, yeah. yeah. gender. I think like what actually hurt me in that article, I think it was, the, I think it was in the beginning when, uh, the author uh, was telling us how he or she, I don't, I don't know, um, how she had been in Sudan and, you know, she had stayed in really mm-hmm. horrible hostels and mm-hmm. was camping out, you know, had spent two weeks with 
like in a refugee camp interviewing people and then one day this helicopter is supposed to be from cnn just comes oh, from so nowhere boom mm-hmm. they land and then apparently they had, they had paid eight thousand dollars just to rent that and that was like mm-hmm. more than all the money i had spent in the past two weeks mm-hmm. right so i'm just like whoa like that that just made it so much realer like yeah we don't have that money we don't have the equipment we don't have the fancy aircraft that i mean even if we do it's like to afford that for a story that you know particularly an independent journalist would be doing right it's like you can't even think about that i mean ugh, yeah sorry, that, that, that that's what pained me i was just like wow that's crazy man yeah that just story, arrived boom whew girl <laughs> I, I think i felt the same yeah, way too yeah, oh by the way i felt the same way reading that and i was just thinking to myself like on a very basic level like do we as people like see the importance of the value in being custodians of our own information and our own narrative mm. um because if we cared enough right i think that if we cared enough being the keyword here that maybe there might be some type of policy that navigates the way people um foreigners i guess um share our news share our information um because i mean i can't think of well first of all <laughs> that we have the money but i can't think of any other national that would just come to the u.s for example right and we'll be reporting some story mm-hmm. you know like it, it does it doesn't yeah. make any sense and so it's like do we actually value the responsibility that comes with us being the curators of our own stories such that we don't let such i mean things like this happen but again there's poverty and Someone's about to say, yeah. No, someone's no, arms need to be greased, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's, it's uh... also about. The... Sorry, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it's also about access. Access, mm-hmm. access. So, mm-hmm. so like CNN or the BBC can get you an interview with so 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 person. Yes. Who are you to say you want to speak to the president? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is yeah. your father? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that and. You know, again, we don't. Number one, the Nigerian passport ranks really low, so <laughs> you can't say a Nigerian journalist wants to go to the US and then cover stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so it. you face your front. <laughs> Did you get the visa to go in the first place? I'm so, sorry. <laughs> so, like one of the things, like one of the like one of the things that is. Like a win is when a Nigerian journalist gets to cover a story for an international media company. Mm. Because, like, see the way they've been picking Nigerian journalists that work for daily times or something like that. Mm. If they pick a journalist freelancing for the CNN, for CNN or the BBC, like, he's sure to get out. Mm-hmm. Mm. But, you know, it will, the news will read CNN yeah. journalists picked mm-hmm. up by federal government. Mm-hmm. Like, so many times, so mm. many times the police has stopped me or you know, stopped my car and said, hey, who are you, blah, 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 and I've just told them, if you don't want trouble, Google me. And it has worked, because my LinkedIn will see a Ratosinavishako, journalist, so, 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 place. Mm. And journalist, so, 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 place is not journalist, Nigerian Guardian. Mm. Mm. That is good enough to That's scare. True. Now, what we are most scared of in this country is international embarrassment. Mm-hmm. So you see that a lot of the policy made in this country is reactive, not proactive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So girls were kidnapped today. Okay, new policy. Don't talk to girls. Not <laughs> no one. Don't talk Thanks. to girls. So that when girls are kidnapped, you say, oh, we did work enough, but now we have to improve on the policy. Nothing is ever improved on here. Mm-hmm. So 
And another thing is that, like, we cannot necessarily say it's sad, but we can't come and say, oh, these people are covering our stories based off of our gender because we are not covering our stories. Yeah. All we can do is that we can have rebuttals on Twitter. Oh, mm. this person didn't didn't do well. And now, for that reason, you know, publications are getting you know fixers, fixers as Nigerian journalists, um, additional reporting by Nigerians and stuff like that. So. It is getting better. There's still another problem, a major problem of you know, still funding. Mm-hmm. So if publications are not interested or are not able to fund stories, then probably NGOs are the ones funding our stories. And it means that Africa will still remain with the same warped image, mm-hmm. the image that says that we are a continent that is suffering. Mm-hmm. Actually, we are actually suffering. Mm-hmm. But, but that's not the only but, story. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. That's not the only story. Someone is doing you know, good work somewhere, mm-hmm. but there is no backing for the story. There is mm-hmm. no reason why the story should be done, especially yeah. as it seems like you're probably reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, so despite solving the problem that is, you know, native or typical to Nigeria, you are still solving a problem that should not be there. Like, why should we have mobile electricity boxes? This is 2019. So, yeah, that's where we are as people. Yeah. If anyone, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I was literally, uh, Tosin took uh, the words out of my mouth, like access and reputation and mm-hmm. um, how that like, you know, typically lends to funding and, but then also just like access. Um, and then I think the other thing I was going to say, Onyeka was talking about value and it made me think of like, um, just how for so long, like, there's been suppression and censorship, you know, of like any protest against the government. Like even like Tosin was talking about, like if you say you're from CNN versus like the Guardian, it's because mm-hmm. I think there's this there's this like mentality that they can easily shut down or censor those publications, but not as much like mm-hmm. um, CNN. And so mm-hmm. there's that too. So there's some there's a come some kind of helplessness that comes with that that like mm-hmm. you know. But I don't know, I think of, like, publications, because there's the New York Times, but there are also smaller publications, you know, in the States that are getting traction that people turn to. So I wonder how, like, because mm. I know um, we had um, his name, Wale Lawa, on, and I know he was trying yeah. to, he started The Republic, which is focused on mm. long-form, like, reporting and, like, essays. And I so I think, hopefully, there's more of that, that, because it also has to do with the interface too. So it's a new like style of like dispersing news mm-hmm. and opinions. So I wonder if there's more of that that like the young younger people can, you know, support and, you know, promote. Because it's also like the access comes to with like I don't know, building the an audience. And yeah, building an audience. Um Yeah. Yeah. So But oh sorry, and the other thing about valleys like because I know we were saying like, you know, a lot of these news articles that are published internationally like affect policies. I wonder if those implications are like if people really understand those implications and how that would affect how we value, you know, us being, you know, I don't know, creating more like grassroots ways of telling our own stories. Like, Mm. cause I think increasing the value of, you know, local reporting could be increased by understanding the implications of other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, telling our stories. So that's. It. I wonder if the implications are clear, or maybe they are, and people still don't give a fuck. But 
because there are other things to, to worry about. Yeah. I think I think like journalism and community organizing go hand in hand. You yeah. know, I think if people are made aware, like you said, if there is somebody, if there's a network or a culture of community organizing that, okay, look at what's going on. This is how we can change things. Then people are gathering together and say, okay, we need to, you know, we need somebody to tell this story or like journalists come and find the story about people organizing around a topic. Like it's easier for things, you know, it's easier for people to care about things if there is, if they are involved, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase this. Hmm. Yeah, and also having people like, having like rich Nigerians involved and interested in, enough to fund exactly. journalism. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm, look at the Guardian. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of like these publications are, are you know, first and Which foremost... Which Guardian? You have to like... UK Guardian. Okay, you have to like qualify. <laughs> Guardian so. Nigeria, UK Guardian. So like a lot of, 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 a lot of these publications are first and foremost, they are registered as non-profits, educational non-profits. Mm. And then it means that people can donate and you know, get tax rebates or taxes off. But then again, it's about you know, the type of value that they see in publications in Nigeria. Like, look at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. People were just like, just they donate the money. The money just mm. they just just money. Okay. Mm. Exactly. Just the money came so quick. And I was like, what? Exactly. Like I'm here too. I'm suffering. I'm not shut down. I'm on fire. Naturally, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes on fire. Yes, wow. but like looking at, but then like it's almost like again, it just feels like top to bottom. There's no nobody incentive. Us. No. Yes, mm. because the people yeah. like the rich Nigerians are fucking thieves. So, like, how will you now create something that can, you know, come and investigate you and open your yash? That's hilarious. And, you know... But that's the truth. That why will you, I con- you know, why will you construct your own guillotine and yeah. ready to chop your own head off? Yeah. And and to, for me, this is something... Oh God, I, I said I, was never, I wasn't going to talk about this, man, but here I am on this podcast. Anyways, why are people like Bank UW and, and co, like, who run for certain positions? And I'm like, <sighs> sorry, I'm trying to frame my thoughts. I'm not putting them on blast. Wow, I thought you were actually going to cry. Good. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, not, it's not that deep. Um, but people like him, right, who, who have a certain caliber, a certain following, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, don't tell me that you care about people so much and therefore I'm going to run for house of reps because it's affecting me so much but on a grassroots level like yeah I haven't really mm. done anything you know mm. so I don't know if these you can are, can we say that like, like I said again know? this is my personal opinion so okay. if anyone has facts you know saying other things and I mean, you know, paying for like someone's you. paying for someone's school fees doesn't count for me but anyways that's besides the point if you decide to Organize for the community and say younger people or a demographic or people that are not used to voting mm-hmm. should come out and vote. That in itself is you encouraging civic X and Y and Z. Mm, now, okay. as a person, you might be trash, mm. but you know we've had way too much trash that has looked to disenfranchise people from voting, and mm. now we have probably new good English speaking trash. It might still be trash, but they're positive. It's a change. It's mm. change. For example, 
like I really hate the argument that oh article was article was X or Y or Z or article was a thief versus Buari that was inefficient. I mean mm. again Yes, again, devil and dignity. But look at where we are. What is Satan offering us? <laughs> Satan is saying we are going to we are going to restart the economy. We are going to look to you know build big businesses as against a big economy. We are poor and we are still building big government. Hmm. I mean, maybe you didn't go to school as the head of state, but. The people oh, around you probably yeah. should have gone to school to know that, sir, daddy, that you are saying rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but yeah, yeah. But no, so no. Like, I, I made my comment just like to say, like, I think this is a good place for people who who pretend or if would truly care about the future of Nigeria is disseminating information on a very grassroots level to where people can understand the implications of a lot of these things that are going on because half of the battle rights people are making choices and they don't know the implication of the choices that they're making and everyone just is trying to survive period so I mean I just have my personal Banky W issue but all I'm saying is if you really care if you pretend like you care just let let this is one avenue that you can you know channel you your resources what towards. Did in the run up to the election, now it was run up to the election, but he did it. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. he did. Well, like he did it because of God, otherwise we nobody we else was to, doing it. Nobody else we didn't be able to because he like nobody else did it because nobody else was running. So my point <laughs> is that like he had to do it if he had <laughs> a chance in hell. Everybody's and, naked. Banky W decided to wear shirts. He has done something different. I understand that. Different. Now. Okay. I'm not you know, it's cool. that you guys, please, Banky W is not sponsoring this episode. <laughs> please, Banky sir. Is sponsoring me. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> so, man. Um, um, oh, fuck. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, everybody, Jesus. he's running, so he did it. Uh, there's something else that was at the tip of my brain that I was doing to... these things not because you're running. Fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. uh, no, I say I blame you. <laughs> yes, blame him. Something, 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 something was at the tip of my brain. Now it's lost. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were trying to make the point of like doing these things not because you're trying yeah, to. Yeah, I, I, like I was even trying to get away from that. Like I was trying to end the Granky conversation. Oh, well. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Just, just, just say the next thing. I like there's something really important that was at the tip of my brain that I can't think about. Okay. I can't remember now. And all what says is your white envelope. See what you've done. All what you say, your white envelope. Thanks for coming to our TED talk. Okay, so in this era where our attention is converted by so many different forms of media, how can journalism be practiced in a way that keeps people informed, remains relevant, remains funded? And does not generate mass hysteria. So, ladies and gents, okay. like okay. loaded. We need to unpack. How do we? How how does how can journalism in Nigeria adapt to the reality? By being funded. Okay, exactly. by being Just funded. Money. Yes. Money. How do we get funded? Mm-hmm. We have no idea. Hmm. You know, like um, everybody's you know, looking for models and models to back in stuff, and then we found out that, like, 
so the reason why a lot of journalists and a lot of media organizations hate Facebook and Google is mm-hmm. because we've collected all of the revenue. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Facebook. So you know, Facebook has collected all of the revenue. Mm-hmm. It means that and Facebook has collected revenue in the US where systems work properly. So mm-hmm. it means that we are going to sleep here in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. That's one. Two. Um two, Nigeria isn't made for niche markets. Uh-huh. Niche markets mm-hmm. don't necessarily work. So it means that you have to do everything and you have to do big game. So go big or go home. So you can't necessarily be a publication about um, about development or about health. Mm. Or, you, or you can't even so like and <laughs> I remember what I was trying to say. Like so, what's the so local publications now? Like there are almost no stories like local stories. Like I once, for example, now I want somebody to fucking investigate my Lagos State House of Rep fellow who lives several blocks from you know several feet away from me, but the road is a hot mess. You know, like. In the words of that Uber driver, this means you will sleep here. <laughs> yeah, then again, it's about, again, it's about relevance, it's about, it's about self-sufficiency, it's about, mm-hmm. you know, your life, your actual life. Now, you say someone is house of rep, someone is in a place of government. Do you really want a Nigerian to investigate in, and get arrested over a story? And he will still get voted in again? Like that certain governor, whom we shall not name, but we shall discuss the videos of mm. him collecting bribes. Mm. So, like, so the only so, like, the only people yes. that will commission stories, the only people that have the ability to cause change for with stories like this are the international media. And what is CNN's business with House of Reps member in Lagos? Mm-hmm. What is what is that money? Okay, mm-hmm. what is going to happen? Except like you can organize like 30 people to die on the road. Then it can become an international disaster. <laughs> if 30 people are not wow. organized. Oh my gosh, zero to a hundred. Well, that is, that, that is, that is the sad reality. It's the reality, so, it's true though. So like you need to look for new, new, um, new avenues, new ways to run journalism as a business that will generate the amount of money that will, you know, keep for better stories. We also need to pray and hope that the government decides to, you know, remove power. Imagine a Yomi Shogune as, as Inspector General of Police, mm. and you do story. Mm. Well, I will not be here. I will be in Canada in Jesus' name. <laughs> but, Amen. but yes, like, imagine, yeah. look, at, look, at your, look at the leadership of the police. Yes, there are a few policemen that are doing right. But look at the policemen that raped women. Mm-hmm. Raped women in Abuja. Look at the policemen that will just see a boy and randomly pick him up and say he's a young boy. Or the mm-hmm. policemen that will open your boot and put stuff inside it mm-hmm. so you get arrested. That is our reality. So, like, we need to put Nigeria in rice and hope that our iPhone turns <laughs> on again. I'm tired. But it's a lot, there are a lot of problems. There are way too many problems. Okay. As Africa, we need to wake up collectively. Yeah. So, like, so are you, is the summary that we cannot do journalism? There's <laughs> 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 no way to keep journalism in Nigeria well informed and relevant. There's like, okay. We're just, 
doomed. So everybody just go and hide in your cave till the end of days. Okay, so it's not all gloom. It's all. It's not all gloom. Mm-hmm. Publications like Premium Times. Premium Times is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they really? do it, but they, for the most part, mm-hmm. Premium Times is highly. <laughs> for the most part, Premium Times is fantastic. The cable is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, I've said fantastic words. The cable is good. There are these other guys that are really, really good. Ripples in Nigeria. Mm. They are really, like, they are really good. But, like, that is premium times. That is Ripples. That is cable. And then we have Punch that sends someone on the street to ask about Nayamali and see and if Yahweh is justified. Mm. You are the fucking test. Mm-hmm. You are the fucking journalist. Yahweh is a fraud. End of story. <laughs> So for every for every little for every pocket of hope that we get and say these people are doing fantastic work, there are also people that just you know you can be champions, you can be the greatest, you can be this, but you've chosen no, you just want to be a bastard. And that's where we are in the country. <sighs> so at, to your point, um how do we amplify the voices of you know these organizations that are good? Like what in, if you had the, the power to do, what, how would how would you amplify their voices? Um, again, fund um, advertising campaigns for the stories, mm. and just share and share and share, and help them like move. Okay, so you are you are online alone. Help them enter new spaces of print, or you mm. are online and print enter new spaces of TV to you know to to meet people in certain demographics because it's about spreading information. Again, the problem is the funding. When you don't have money to tell your story, someone else will tell your story anyhow they want it. And yeah, that is true. Okay. I have <clears throat> there's something I wanted to talk about. Twenty three I mean two three four next. Remember mm. two two three four next? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. defunct food yeah. paper. Do you remember it? What to say? Ah, you don't know what to do for next. Let's just say I mean, let me open a website for you. Maybe you will. But like, two people next felt like such a breath of fresh air. You know, like, yes. <laughs> Did anybody feel that way? Mm-hmm. Not really. Not, not particularly. <laughs> wow. I guess I was the only one then. But no, no, please share why, because I... Like, it seems to be doing, like, oh, more... Oh, these events. guys. Yeah. Yes. Next 24, I mean, next 24, I mean, 22, 24, next. 24. Mm. Yeah. Like, they were doing, they were doing, like... Theirs was one of the first, like, investigative... Well, maybe not one of the first. But, like, I remember them doing cool stuff with, like, investigative journalism, with doing, like, culture stuff and talking about, like you know, food writing. I think they were maybe one of the first people who started doing food writing that wasn't just, oh, you know, you have to cook for your husband, here's how to make, you know, jollof rice at Tarudo. Like, you know, like kind of <laughs> more cerebral, like, features, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think they were one of the few news publications that weren't taking brown envelope. Maybe, I'm not sure. But like, they really prided themselves in being... And, they, and, and where are they today? And they, yeah. They have mm. died. They have died. Mm. 
they've done I think and they even did the like WikiLeaks. They were one of the people that carried the WikiLeaks or maybe the first one that did the WikiLeaks on like Nigerian like corruption and all of that. Anyway, all right, sorry. When how do, <coughs> how how does crowd because I feel like there's crowdfunding for so many things. Mm-hmm. I wonder how crowdfunding would work for like you know these you know journalists like enterprises and i know i don't know and and they're like these grants that enable such enterprises i'm trying to think of like funding sources and you Mm. know how how to bypass like i don't know private funding well yeah like okay so now another you know another thing another part of journalism is not necessarily only storytelling it's also like engaging people, engaging the communities and letting mm-hmm. them know that this is what is happening in your community and this is what should be happening. So things like budgets and tracker mm-hmm. have come up in like very recent very recently. But they are doing fantastic work because you are keeping you are keeping the people engaged. You let them the people in the constituencies know that okay, this is what this is the amount of money that uh Melania has collected and can ask him for the school because he hasn't been to school. Mm-hmm. So you know like those guys are doing enough. They are getting grants. So it's not all good. So I love budget, but I like I don't want this to be a sidebar on like development and you know, whatever. But like I feel like budgets all most of budgets work is online. Like they've recently started doing community sensitization, which is good. But it's not only to be sending letter to Senator and say, Oh, Senator, <laughs> you have done, you've collected two point clinical billion or clinical constituency projects, what is the status of your projects? Like, I mean... True. You know, like, if, if you are providing this information, if, number one, if the information you, are provi- you, are, you, are, you have is not being disseminated to the people who can act on it, I mean, what are you doing? But Two... But you stuff to disseminate offline. Stuff. Okay. It may not be plenty stuff. But the stuff is still going on. Okay, and what is the so? Okay, you've told your, you've told them this is what's happening with your constituency project. This is what your senator has collected. Oh, yeah. How do you? How do they make a complaint? It's not only to like say, okay, I'll give you all the cement and you know sand to build your house. So yeah, build house. So I'm gone. Bye. But like, remember, but how remember, am I supposed to build the fucking house? But remember, budget, budget, and other journalists can't and should not have opinion. Budget is not a journalist. But they are doing they are doing a much needed journalistic work. Yeah, to hold power accountable. So there's another conversation. This like sure. journalism journalists should not have that. Like how can you that thing that there's no to quote of if a if a, a elephant is stepping on someone on a rat's tail, like you're saying that yeah, I, I probably have butchered that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, but the thing is, you're like, not saying you come and be politicizing on the. No, but this is how it. But this is how it is, man. I think a certain member of the government is an idiot. <laughs> I think a certain member of the government is an idiot. I think a certain governor or a certain president might be an idiot. Mm-hmm. But I cannot use. I cannot use that opinion mm-hmm. while covering or while writing a story about. You don't have. To, uh, no, time is going. Let's not have that argument. <laughs> I do refreshments after. On air, I don't know. Where, where's the refreshments? Uh-huh. Uh, there'll be. Yeah, we'll wow. <laughs> we'll refreshments after. 
Okay, um, ladies, any last question? Any last questions? This feels kind of like, I don't know, I'm sad. Let me just say one more thing in terms of like, I think Zikoko. So there are some new media houses that are doing interesting stuff. So there is Big Cabal Media, which is the parents' media publication. I don't know. I wonder how they. Do you know how they got funded? Do you know where their money comes from? I don't know. That'd be interesting to know where they're coming. They, they're not printer, they're digital. Um, but for example, Zikoko did this. They're, they're kind of. They're doing anthropological projects. Yes, they're doing anthropological projects, which are very interesting. And I think they're trying to be like the BuzzFeed. I think that was the idea mm-hmm. to be the BuzzFeed of Nigeria. But um, kind of, for example, there was a story, this Naira Life. So they're doing this series on how people spend money um, in their lives and people of different income brackets. So there's this recent story about some guy who is homeless, like he's like he does odd jobs and just kind of chronicling his life and and in the context of like money. It, it was this really cool way to to show how people are suffering and to show poverty and to show like hustle, like the Nigerian hustle mentality and how this guy like despite everything, he's like still trucking along and he's still, you know, looking for how to get a job and all of that. So there are people who are doing stuff like that but i'm now i'm thinking like who that's engaging stuff and i'm sure that costs money to like put together yeah. how do we how do we pay for that you know i feel like people are not even willing to pay for i don't know mm. i don't know man anyway sorry ladies any last questions this is kind of depressing um, sorry. um i mean mine isn't a question it's a it's a comment um um, really is a plea to journalists on our television screens, on YouTube and, and all these places. Um, I think you really do yourself a big disservice when you come out here and like just don't do your job. So this is my Mika. personal plea. What? Are you said, do you have anything else like to say? Them. No, because this is something that like pains me a lot is like you're you're trying to i mean being in diaspora trying to get information like you want to hear from the horse's mouth what they think and what they believe and then the questions that they're being asked like has no head or tail and you're just like okay so you ask this question now so what was what were you hoping like you know what i'm saying like i don't know because we do the podcast and we have guests on the show and we ask questions you know whether they're open-ended or questions that you can build on but it's like okay you just ask the person this question okay so what is supposed to exactly happen now from here this question that you asked and i'm not trying to call out you know on the couch with files and Layla, but you know just <laughs> in general i'm not um but but just being serious though i think we need to do a better job and i don't know how we would go about doing that but just being being like take your job seriously and you know be mindful that there are people like us who are seeking out information and you're the only access that we have or the closest access that we have to these people um so please help us thanks i mean maybe one other way of wrapping up the show would be knowing i know you mentioned like uh some notable journalists, but I wonder if they're mm. like, you know, platforms that news platforms you can highlight, people who are doing mm. good work. Because I think the more we support and share the works of these people, that's another way of helping them build their audience. It's a way of, I don't mm-hmm. know, one day they decide to crowdfund, you know, give mm-hmm. money here and there to support like 
I don't know, an independent news platform that is, you know, doing work. Because like we were saying, alluding to earlier, like Amaya was talking about her younger brother. A lot of people are looking for interesting and fresh ways of like getting access to news. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think there's more of that, that, you know, maybe people will be willing to support and promote. Yeah, promote that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There was a question in there somewhere about who and what mm. we should be supporting and promoting and paying close attention to. Yeah. Well, Jason, do you have any <clears throat> other than people you, you mentioned? You mentioned like Ripples, Premium Times, yeah. the Cable. cable. Hmm. Oh, that was that was a jump. Stairs is good too. Oh, stairs yeah, is good. Stairs. I was going to shout out Stairs. Mm-hmm. Guys. Mm-hmm. I love like, you, friend. Guys. Shout out to <laughs> Shout out Stairs. Shout out Triple. Anyways, there was this um, publication that, that started out and then seemed to die. And Machaha, make change happen. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, covering development. So, like, publications like Stairs, publications like, um, like the BBC. The BBC Africa is doing fantastic work mm-hmm. because BBC Africa is, like, is, is basically a Nigerian news publication that you know just has UK foreign funding. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the editors are Nigerians, the editors are Nigerians, okay. the line managers are Nigerians, the social media, everybody's Nigerian. So BBC Africa, um the guys at CNN Africa are fantastic too. There's Aisha and Yes, who is also ex You know, but, yes. Yeah. Aisha and Ami <laughs> are the fantastic guys at CNN Africa. There's a little more tea, but we won't spill it here. Um, there's Linus, there's Linus Una, there's Valentine, there's there's Shola Lawal that is a fantastic storyteller. Like she just does fantastic stories. There's Eromo Ubejule that I mentioned earlier. There's Eromo, there's um, Ayodeji. Mm-hmm. You know, just yes, Ayodeji Rotiwa. You know, just every time or anytime you see a development story, especially development story coming out of Nigeria, out of, you know, out of Nigeria for a foreign publication, like, just check on the byline, it's most likely Nigerian, or additional reporting was done by Nigerian. And, you know, these guys are the guys that are doing the actual work. This is not to say other Nigerians might not necessarily, other Nigerian journalists might not necessarily be interested in doing the work, but you know, these guys are the ones that get funding. But, you know, funding aside, these are the guys that go to these places to do stories. They are the people that go to live, that go to stay at the refugee camps for for at least a week. And Linus did that, I did that. Aroma has done that a lot of times. Yeah. Aisha does that. Shola does that regularly. So, like, these are the people that are interested in the storytelling. So, like, journalism as a system is probably doomed, but the Nigerian journalists that are foreign correspondents are doing, you know, such fantastic work. So, yeah, it's like, yay. <laughs> shining light. Um, am I on? Um, sorry, I'm quiet. I have, like, a really bad headache. Um, oh, no. Okay, just don't do cornrows really tight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I was just going to I was going to shout out Stairs because I love what they're doing, not because of any other reason, but I actually genuinely love their um their content. It's very 
like it, it brings like all these interesting topics that may not be the most attractive uh, the, the most attractive thing to the typical Nigerian. They try they try and make it more palatable, easy to understand. So I'm grateful for that, to them for that. And also for their journalism. Aisha was really great in pushing boundaries. I know she's at CNN now. But yeah, she did great things for Steers. Um, but then also just, you know, a nice call to action to all the rich people who listen to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Number one, why know. haven't you given us any money? <laughs> listen, out. I was just going to say that. Wow. Come on, y'all. An ad or something, you know, we, we would like some money. But then also Some help journalism. us make journalism in Africa more valuable, protect uh-huh. our journalists. Because, I mean, there are all these different projects that they go on. Like Oluwa Tosin said, you know, a, a Nigerian, what's it called, company gave him 5,000 area. Like, that's mm. ridiculous. So oh. if we could support our journalists in different aspects, um, travel, accommodation, equipment, reach, um, and then also, like, not, I don't know, figure out a way to... I don't know, just don't fear the government. Don't stand fear the truth. Tr- what? Yeah, stand Mothers? for the truth. And I mean, I mean, yeah, your life is important, but like, you know, wow. the, truth is, the truth is also important. That's wow. true. So, yeah. I'm with you, Amaya. Um, yeah, I'd say, I just like remembered something about, you know, ethics and how Nigerian journalists would say, hmm. you know, five-year-old girl defiled oh. or, hmm. you know, 15-year-old um, girl having sexual relations. That's rape, sir. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Call a spade so, like, a spade. So, like, I feel like y'all need to also get some, there should be some standards oh, of, like, journalistic ethics and, you know, how do we treat, you know, um, sexual harassment and sexual assault stories? How do we not victim blame? You know, all these things, like, can we, why are you asking one of the richest women in Nigeria if she cooks for her husband, or if she kneels down? Like, wh- how did that conversation, mm-hmm. you know, can we, can y'all, yeah, so I'd say that. Then I'd also say for the journalists who are working for these, you know, international publications, I kind of have a good thing going and are doing great work. Share the knowledge that should be, like, there should be an agreement of the talent pipeline. You can't, you know, it's helpful. Everyone wins. I mean, no one was... Sorry, I was about to say something. Everyone in the party is first. What? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> to whom it may concern. I didn't even hear what he said. But the point is that, like, you know, our journal, uh, journalism, the institution of journalism in Nigeria will be stronger if there are more people doing great stories, you know? Mm. Not so that all the burden will fall on you. So if there aren't any already, like there should be some mentorship, some pipeline, educational pipeline, like oh, some workshops. There is. Okay. We are good people though. Okay. Some the system that make us better to teach stuff. Okay. All right, coolies. Um, what Where can we find you? You know, where can you, where can we read your work on the interwebs? Oh. You know, what's yeah? Tell tell the people. Shameless plug here. Do it. Yearly times, Mama, I made it. Um, <laughs> Yearly times, sports. Um, popular. That's how we found you. Yeah, popular. Um, Vice very soon. Ooh, hey. document, documentary okay. or like um, story writing, writing. Yeah. Okay. Do you know story about this? Mm. About what? 
grief. Yeah. Oh no, Jules, he's sad. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Okay. Twitter, Instagram, you know. Um, Twitter, the Oluwatosu. Instagram, Oluwatosu Madishoko. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks thank so you much. Thanks for all of the food that you're going to buy me. Wow. <laughs> okay, that one is the senior Bye, you now. guys. So We're all best friends now. <laughs> Adios, amigos. All right. all right. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode.